Welcome to VC for Stupid Idiots. We are your idiots, Marianne, Michelle, and Francesco from NomadicMinds.Capital. Here, we interview the best investors on the planet to learn their secrets and tell them a lot of bad jokes. Then, we use their knowledge to invest in emerging market startups. Because this is the most effective way to lift people out of poverty and make outstanding returns. If you want to see what we are investing in this week, please join us at nomadicminds.capital. Welcome to our podcast, VC for Stupid Idiots, where we have our superstar (laughs) investor with us here today, Warner Phillips, and we are, of course, the idiots. <laughs> Warner, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got to be where you are today? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Warner Phillips. I uh, Once upon a time, I went to law school here in Amsterdam, where I am based now. Um, out of law school, I, uh, I joined a venture capital fund in the Netherlands, Utrecht, and uh, I worked there for about five years, I had uh, exposure to the full spectrum of private equity and venture capital, everything from early stage seed deals, uh, an entrepreneur with, a, with an idea, up to leveraged buyouts. Anyway, saw all the kinds of deals, all kinds of industries. Um, after five years, I left that fund. Um, I helped a, a fashion conglomerate do a business turnaround. Um, and then after a year, I joined a new initiative called Tendris. In 2002, that is, and um, we started companies that are in the uh, clean tech space. So I started companies for about 10 years, uh, all focused on uh, renewable energy and sustainability. Um, halfway along the ride in December 06, I actually moved to the San Francisco Bay Area for our businesses to grow out in the U.S. and also to start looking at making new investments. And I did that until 2012. Um, and after 10 years, my business partners, I decided to go different directions. So I stayed in the San Francisco Bay Area and continued on as an angel investor in a whole series of businesses uh, still in the clean tech and sustainability. I did that until 2015, uh, in which year I did also help set up a new venture fund in the San Francisco area, which is called Obvious Ventures. And I'm still an advisor there. Um, but I decided to move back in 2015 with my wife and four kids back to Amsterdam again and set up a new fund that is now called Rubio. Uh, so we set up a first fund in 2015, uh, raised 40 million euros, invested in 15 companies. And last year we raised a second fund, which is 110 million euros. And we picked up the pace. So we're now at a pace of investing at about you know one new deal a month, which is a good pace to, to invest in. Yeah. What's your secret? What do you think has set you apart from the rest to make your fund so successful? Um, wow. I think it's a it's a mix of things. Uh, I think ultimately, just like every other entrepreneur, a VC is, a, is an entrepreneur as well. So uh, if you're an, a venture investor and you're setting up a new fund, you have to really think closely, like, what problem am I trying to solve? Right. So I think in our case, with this fund that we set up in 2015, we found that there is a lot of money in the marketplace, not as much as there is today, because today is just mind-blowing how much capital is available. But in 2015, we found that there, there was capital available. There were also entrepreneurs trying to make this world a better place, which is what we call social entrepreneurs. Um, 
But we found that there were not a lot of good investors, venture fund investors who were looking to invest in those social entrepreneurs. So what we set out to do is say, well, how do we unlock that capital so that we make the capital available for entrepreneurs who are trying to make this world a better place? Um, and I think we had good timing. You know, the Netherlands was coming out of the, um, the, the Great Recession in 2014 when we started fundraising for the first fund. Um, so we got in the marketplace early. I think we were very fortunate that we brought in the European Investment Fund, which is a big investor in Europe, um, that they gave us the opportunity as a cornerstone investor in our first fund. Uh, we had a lot of really good uh, friends and family, uh, informal investors who basically said, hey, you guys are a great team. What you're trying to do is the right thing. It's basically finding a way to put capital to work to help solve important problems on the planet. And um, we were off to the races. So that's, I think, uh, again, it goes back to seeing that there's a problem in the marketplace, in this case, not an efficient capital market or the capital to flow to social entrepreneurs, having a great plan to do it and having the right people to do it. And that basically got us off to a good start. Great. And um, just to like get an idea, you mentioned that there was not a lot of good investors. So what would you say is what makes a good investor like what would you say is there any specific specific um trades or skills that they have yeah well, well um, to be more specific i think i think there uh, at the time when we were setting up shop here in amsterdam i think there were a lot of really good venture funds and early stage venture funds but they were not focusing on entrepreneurs who were solving societal problems uh, so I think that was sort of the disconnect. I think what we did is we were a, a great combination uh, as a team of people who have both investment experience and operating experience. And what I find is that a lot of investors, particularly early stage and uh, growth investors, um, there are a lot of people with a lot of financial expertise and consulting expertise, but not a lot of people have actually run businesses. Uh, I've run businesses and two of my other three partners have run companies themselves as well. So knowing how to run a company, knowing what it means to have to make payroll, have to let people go, how to deal with strategic situations with limited cash and limited resources, I think is, is, is critical to being a good venture capital investor. To, so to deeply understand what entrepreneurs go through, I think that's, that's the number one thing. Um, the number two thing uh, is, then always becomes you know, creating a lot of deal flow. And I think because we were an early movie where we were the first independent impact investor in the Netherlands. So because of that, we got a lot of headlines and all the social entrepreneurs knew how to find us. Uh, three was that we had, you know, we developed a solid process of assessing what, what companies we wanted to invest into. And then post deal, after we made an investment, we would actually actively help the, com the companies and the entrepreneurs grow. So would, we would help them think through their strategy, through their business model, introduce new clients, uh, help them raise new funds. Um, and basically being a very supportive and actively supportive investor. I think that's what really helps. And then ultimately, I will say that we started off as a more generalist impact fund. We've developed into, uh, we have three key buckets where we're investing into right now. One of them is the circular economy, everything that relates to, to sustainability. Second one is healthy living. So enabling as many consumers as possible to live healthy lifestyles. And the third one is what we call people power, which is very much focused on inclusivity and diversity and making sure that as many people as possible can actively participate in the economy and society. So a lot of that is focused on ed tech and work tech, and making you know, 
where technology removes jobs actually creates new jobs as well. But we have to adapt and change a lot faster than we have in the past. So we're um, so those are the three key buckets, and we're we're continuously building up our team and specializing. And that I think is sort of the final bucket to making a really good investor is to to have a certain specialty where you where you know all the market dynamics, where you know all the industry players, where you know the competition, where you know what the, what the winning business models are, so that you can you know you can be smarter, faster, better at picking who the winners are, but also helping them in a in a better way. So that's sort of the transition that we're going through from a more generalist impact fund as we started off in 2015 to a more focused special uh, venture fund focused on specific impact in three verticals. And increasingly, we'll build out our team. Just a quick question. Where's your yeah. deal flow coming from? Um, I would say primarily the EU. It used to be mostly the Netherlands because we're based in Amsterdam. Uh, most of the, I would say almost all the Dutch entrepreneurs who start a company that is that is focused on creating impact with a commercially scalable business model, because that's what we do. We do focused on commerce as well as impact and generate healthy returns. Um, but most of it initially was in the Netherlands and it's expanded throughout Northwestern Europe. Um, but the internet makes that uh, people all across the planet know how to find us. So uh, we don't invest all over the place. We, we primarily invest in the Netherlands and Northwest Europe. Uh, although we have invested from Estonia to, to Portugal, we've also made investments in, uh, in the USA. Um, but we, uh, but our, our, I would say that our sandbox or our key playing field is, is the Netherlands and Northwestern Europe, and that's where most of our deal flow comes from. And uh, what would, if, if you could have like a billboard in front of you right now and you have to write one piece of advice to founders on that billboard, what would that piece of advice be? Yeah, I would say that you know, the number one thing that I always advise entrepreneurs, which luckily increasingly they understand but but some of them are new to it is that they actually should provide do actually good due diligence on their investors as well so where a lot of entrepreneurs are just happy if they get the funding from uh, the, the the venture fund or the investor that they're looking to to raise funds from um they should be very smart about who they're bringing on board you know, uh, in the USA, sometimes they joke that the average relationship between an entrepreneur and a venture fund is longer than a than a marriage um, and it's harder to get out of sometimes. So it means that you have to be really cautious about who you uh, deal with, who you want to work with, because you know some funds will be running out of uh, money and they won't be able to continue to invest in subsequent rounds. Or uh, some funds have a limited um, time horizon or some funds don't have the right kind of style of investing. They, they might be too active or too passive for what the entrepreneur needs. So I think uh, the way that investors do due diligence on entrepreneurs, um, vice versa, entrepreneurs should really do good due diligence on the on the funds. Um, and I think the it's not just on the funds, but even on the people that you're going to be working with, because not all people have the same kind of work styles in each fund. So I think that is sort of the number one thing I would I would recommend to entrepreneurs. Warner, you know what? I actually forgot to mention something to you. So we are actually famous for two things. The first thing is investing in emerging ecosystems and uplifting people out of poverty. Yeah. And the second thing is really, really bad jokes. Really bad. So I gotta ask you, <laughs> did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? I did not. Great food, no atmosphere. 
<laughs> That's really bad. <laughs> It is absolutely. Um, I, uh, I, you know, um, I, I think my colleagues here will laugh at the bad jokes that I make. They would love this one. <laughs> And uh, my my kids actually curse me for it. They're sort of embarrassed about all my dad jokes. <laughs> But I'm I'm really happy that you made this one. <laughs> Thank you. Do yeah. you want to hear a joke about the paper? Yeah. Never mind. It's terrible. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but it's really uh, cool. but the good thing is these are. It's actually really hard to make really good jokes that yeah. are that can actually go on air as well. Yes. So absolutely. that's why we stick with the bad ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah <I> <laughs> so, do you know? Do you know is... the joke about the VC? Tell me. So a VC walks into a bar, and the barman asks, "So, what do you want to have?" And the VC says, "I don't know. What's everybody else having?" Oh. <laughs> so this is a very terrible VC joke because a lot of venture capital funds are always investing in what everybody else is investing into as well because they think it makes yeah. them good. Yeah, I get it. That's yeah, really they good. Just go in blindly. It's probably the best joke we've had on our show so far. So <laughs> in the last five minutes. To <laughs> <laughs> well done. Yeah. So, um, Hornem, could you yeah. maybe share with us one of your greatest investments that you made? Um, yeah. Let me see. Which one shall I do? So, one of the investments I made that I, uh, I would say one of the, the best investments I made was in a company called Nest, which is a smart thermostat. Um, And when I looked at Nest, uh, I was living in the, the San Francisco Bay Area at the time where the company was founded. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the product, but it's a smart thermostat that basically uses algorithms. It's a beautiful thermostat and it uses algorithms that learn from your behavior in your home. So you can set your, the, the times and temperatures, but it also will, even if you just incidentally sit a little bit higher, a little bit lower, It will learn from that. It will also learn what time you get up in the morning, what time you go to sleep at night, and it will learn from that and reset itself to help you manage the temperature in your home as good as possible, but also help you save money by turning it lower or turning it higher uh, at the right time. And I had been looking at smart thermostats for a while in the 2010, 11, 12 timeframe. Uh, I was also, I had also been running an LED lighting business. Um, That was doing great at the time and had electronics built into it. So when a smart thermostat came out, I was like, well, with a smart thermostat, you might actually have the brain in the home to actually guide all the lighting in all the different rooms as well. So I immediately recognized it as a massive opportunity. And I knew the venture funds that had invested into it. And so they introduced me to the two founders, an ex-Google, ex-Apple guy. And um, I hooked up with them, became an advisor and investor in the company, um, and it sold to Google for $3 billion. It was a, and along the way, it helps people save, I think probably by now over a billion kilowatt hours in, the, wow. in energy saved. So it's a, what I love about it is there, you know, there are a couple of companies out there that have made it really big by have, making a beautiful product, kind of like Tesla, kind of like Nest, using a beautiful product that people really want, but also helps them save energy and the environment. And I think those are the, you know, those are the kind of entrepreneurs that I really love to invest into. So that was a that was a fantastic investment. Uh, incredible people, very very experienced uh, founders, uh, great venture funds that were investing into it. I was an informal investor at the time. 
um, that got to invest into it and um, and made a, a very good exit as well. So that was a that was a awesome deal as an as an investor. Yes, an awesome company. Yes, I do too. I love your purpose behind the investing. Um, I'm just wondering, what's your view on emerging markets? I guess there's a couple of different ways of looking at it. I mean, I, I joined. FMO, which is the Netherlands Foreign Development Bank, as a venture advisor. So and they, they invest a lot in clean tech and ag tech and fintech in Africa. Uh, not just Africa, but emerging economies in general. And I've joined them because I, I've done things in, in Africa. Uh, I've invested in two companies, a microgrid company called Powerhive that is active in Africa, and a residential solar company called Phoenix that got sold to NG. Uh, it was a residential solar company. Um, and I helped set up a nonprofit that distributes solar powered lighting solutions to schools in Zambia. So I've been there a couple of times. We actually invested in a company called Sama as well that is based in San Francisco. It does uh, data annotation for high tech companies, but employs over 3000 people in Kenya and Uganda to do data annotation services. Uh, so they lift them out of poverty, take them from one to $10 a day, uh, provide them health insurance, even provided them good technology during the whole COVID uh, lockdown so that they could work from home. So amazing company, but also a very successful commercially scaling company. Um, anyway, there's so, so there's all these little hooks and angles that, that got me into, uh, into emerging economies and mostly in Africa. And what I'm finding there is that um, I, I guess the, one of the key eye openers when we invested in Sama was that the founder said, when you want to help people in emerging economies, you should not give them money, but give them work. So if you give them work, if you give them jobs, if you give them education, they can develop, they can, they, eventually they will become successful. They will start new businesses and that in itself will provide massive catch up with the rest of the world which will also help solve some of the migration issues, will also help some of the poverty alleviation issues, and ultimately will make this world a safer place. So I think that's sort of going from very tangible reasons why I have been active in Africa to a sort of bigger picture, and then bringing it back to somewhere in the middle, I think it, there's a better opportunity than there might have ever been before to invest into entrepreneurs and in technology in Africa. I think the only key challenge is that you have to understand how things work down there. And so I don't think it's smart for a guy like me to be based in Amsterdam and to invest directly into entrepreneurs who are there, but to invest uh, in entrepreneurs who are here and making an impact there or investing in entrepreneurs there, but with local co-investors as well. Um, but I think without a doubt, I mean, you know, if I knew what I know today and if I were 20, 25 years younger, I would just pack up my shit and move to Africa. and. Yeah, have a long horizon. If you go, you have to be there for a long run, like 10 plus years. But I would definitely just become an investor or an entrepreneur there. I think it, it, the, the, what is happening there or the opportunities that are arising are, it's really, really exciting. I have to say, I'm usually always too early rather than too late. So maybe I'm still too early, but I think it's an, it's, it's an incredible time to, to be there and start companies. So I'm really, I'm really optimistic. Yeah. And if you had to know what you do now, what would you have done differently? Wow, that's a good question. I'm, I'm not sure what I would. I think, if at all, I think I would have, uh, maybe I would have moved to an emerging economy sooner on, earlier on. I, I've been, it's, it's funny that I find that I'm taking more chances later on in my life. I'm, I'm investing 
more towards earlier rather than later stage and earlier is a lot harder and more riskier than than later um and i'm very excited to see opportunities arise to invest in emerging economies so that i would have done earlier i think i think that's a key thing um but i other than that i've, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life and i'm uh and and, and it's okay um I've, I've you know i've made a lot of money for a lot of people but i've also lost a lot of money i've made mistakes in investing and I don't necessarily always see that as a total loss, even though the investment was lost. But but I also see that as as investments in in learning for the future. So I think a lot of there's no way of getting to be good at what you do without making mistakes. And the key thing is how do you learn from it? Uh, and I find myself incredibly fortunate to work with amazing people and amazing investors, and have the the the, the great fortune that a lot of entrepreneurs want to work with us as well because. They like who we are. They like why we do it. They like what we do. They're compatible with our DNA. And um, and I learn a lot from them too. Just continue to learn every day, which is incredibly fun and fulfilling. Yes, absolutely. I can imagine that, well, the best thing is learning from your mistakes and trying to improve on them. And uh, with that said, I would like you to ask, I would like to ask you three super fast questions. Um, we're coming to the end of our okay. podcast. Yeah. And I would like you to reply with either one word or in one sentence. Are you ready? Okay, that's tough because I'm a I'm a lawyer by uh, by training, so I typically <laughs> use a lot of words. But I'll try. Okay. Okay, it's it's fine. Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> um, oh, you have to ask. So three yeah. three super fast <laughs> questions. So, yeah. who's your favorite person? Biggest inspiration? My dad. Dude, I like that. Hottest industry right now? Alternative protein. And what is the biggest piece of advice to give investors not to do? Invest in the hottest trend. I like that. I like that. Cool. So, and that's a wrap for our podcast. Thank you so much, Warner, for all your insights and advice to all the other investors out there. We've learned a lot from you and you've been absolutely great. Thank you so much. One last Thanks really bad time. jokes to wrap it up. Did you hear about the guy who won a Nobel Prize? No, I did not. He created the knock-knock joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I understand it, but it's funny. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Anna, and good night. Thank you so much, Mary. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.